This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 156, where we are reviewing Deadpool 2. Welcome back, fellow Defenders. Grab your chimichangas, because it is time. It is us, Defenders TV Podcast, and you're listening to episode 156 for our spoiler-filled discussion of Deadpool 2. Yes, I am one of your hosts, Chris, wearing right now a lovely black and red leather number. Um, (laughs) And I do have my enchiladas and my chimichangas all set beside us. <laughs> I'm one of your other hosts, Derek, and I would be concerned if you wanted to know what I was wearing. Oh, go on. <laughs> <laughs> and I am one of your other hosts, John, and I'm here wearing nothing but my top with my freakishly small legs. <laughs> ah, it's okay. We love your baby legs. <laughs> Fellow Defenders, thank you so much for joining us, where we will be going into a heavy spoiler-filled discussion of Deadpool 2, but those who are just finding us for this review, why not go and check out DefendersTVPodcast.com, where you'll find everything, all of our coverage of Jessica Jones Season 1 and Season 2, Daredevil Season 1, 2, and 3, everything in between, as we are leading up to Luke Cage Season 2. Also, if you love the MCU as much as we do, check out our review of Avengers Infinity War. Or, if you love the comics, check out Doctor Strange Damnation Crossover Event, where we joined up with a host of other podcasts, just to get some down-dirty damnation coverage. Mm-hmm. Yes. And if you're just joining us, we don't mention this very often, but if you're just joining us, um, and you love podcasts, and you love Marvel, why not go over to Stitcher Premium and listen to Marvel's first-ever official podcast a scripted podcast for wolverine the long night uh, all 10 episodes are available there over on uh, stitcher premium all you have to do is go to stitcher.com slash premium and use our code defenders which will give you a month free of stitcher premium which gives you the ability to listen to every one of those 10 episodes a month should give you enough time for 10 episodes of, of that show yeah it? definitely and it is excellent highly highly recommend uh, from us yeah really good podcast scripted podcast and that is available up until September as well. So mm-hmm. please head on and down. And of course, use our code DEFENDERS at, and support the podcast. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you like us uh, with our Deadpool 2 coverage, please head on over and subscribe over at DefendersTVPodcast.com. Go to the subscribe section where you can choose your podcast catcher of choice. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or any other good or evil podcast catcher of your choice. Please rate us, leave a review, uh, and of course, as always, share the podcast, share the love. We will be back after this podcast in around a month, because on June 22nd, yes, Friday, June 22nd, Luke Cage, Sweet Christmas himself, is coming back to our Netflix screens with season two. And we'll be giving you two weekly podcasts covering each episode for the first couple of weeks after the launch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting back to Luke Cage, actually. It's looking really cool. There's been a couple of trailers out, a couple of, uh, couple of clips out. Mm-hmm. Uh, tons of music going to be in that show, and that's what season one was all about for me. I loved the music in that show. Really looking forward to talking about it. But guys, I think it's time to get into our Deadpool 2 review, what do you think? Definitely. 
100%. I think this is going to be a good one. Derek, do you want to give us some of the details? Yeah, this movie was directed by David Leach. He was the stunt supervisor and has been given a director's credit on John Wick. He's worked on Atomic Blonde with Charlie Theron and pretty much any movie that has stunts in it he's been in the fray there you can kind of see that in some of the uh, some of the fight sequences in here as well uh, the movie was written by Rhett Reese, Paul Wernick and Ryan Reynolds gets a writing credit uh, for this movie uh, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick were the writers on Deadpool 1 which is definitely evident in here they also wrote Zombieland and Paul Wernick had the honoured distinction of writing G.I. Joe Retaliation Ooh. one of your favourites John right but is that the second one yes yes so, no. And my guilty pleasure was G.I. Joe. Okay. The one with Channing Tatum and Joseph Gordon Levitt. Ah, see, yes. they elevated it, you see, <laughs> from pure action dross to quality action dross. Interesting. Interesting. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for this movie? Sure. As Deadpool tries to hold it together following the death of his soulmate Vanessa, he finds himself as an X Men trainee and is called upon to rescue a young Firestarter mutant called Russell from an orphanage. Following death and destruction a la Deadpool at said orphanage, Wade Wilson finds himself stuck with his mutant problem child, as they both head happily ever after to the mutant prison, the Icebox. However, Wade soon realises that his problems are only just beginning with this kid, as a time-travelling mutant known as Cable arrives from the future to get retribution on the fiery mutant responsible for the death of his family. And the truth about Russell leads Deadpool into an unexpected team-up. What a team-up it was. Oh, yeah. Two teams. A team-up for the ages, or for all of five minutes. <laughs> yeah, many team-ups. Yeah, I'm very impressed you uh, got that much plot out of this movie, John. Well done. <laughs> Are you synopsis? saying it's slightly threadbare? It's a little bit. Actually, I, I wrote a version of the synopsis, which was about three and a half pages long, and realized when put down into a synopsis, it can be a very depressing film. Uh, can we kick off with our case note number one or point number one? Is it about the dark for me? Because I was really surprised. <laughs> I know Deadpool 1, when you pair it back to its <laughs> basics is about a guy who gets cancer and cures himself from cancer by becoming Deadpool. That's effectively what happens. In this movie, we kick off with the darkest first 20 minutes of a film that I've seen in a long time. We lose Marina Bakaran gets shot and killed, who was the center of the entire last film. She was the one that he was trying to save the whole way through the film, and she is killed pretty quickly in this film. Um, we do see a couple of flashes to her. I know the reason why she obviously wasn't as involved in this film was because she was filming 22 episodes of Gotham, which we cover over in Gotham TV podcast. So uh, I'm fully aware of why she wasn't able to be used on the movie like she was the last time. But it did feel like a real shocker to have her killed at the start of the film. So are you bringing us all down immediately with the darkness of Deadpool? We've got four points of lightness. Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> is this because you overthought your synopsis i i would say so yes when I, when I wrote the synopsis i was going okay murder death of his girlfriend and then cable's wife and kid are dead and then the kids being abused in the school and what's going on and then they're being tortured yeah. as well it's like there's a lot going on here that's dark it's funny because as soon as you'd kind of said that it was dark it was like thinking about it and it's like yeah there's some pretty dark <laughs> things here the mutant uh, well the orphanage where they're torturing mutants um the death and destruction of wade wilson's home the death of morena baccarin as vanessa and then yeah the whole revenge of cable yeah but he calls this out in the first couple of seconds of the film mm -hmm. he does like and he goes well logan 
made an R-rated one and look, he died at the end. Screw him, I'm going to do better. Yeah. I liked it. The whole point of this is really that this is the R-rated, non-happy, shiny, animals are singing and princesses are running around side of the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. When Disney buys Fox, it will literally be that. It's like, hey, we have <laughs> Disney princesses ourselves, but they swear and smoke and like throw stilettos like knives. <laughs> you needed those first 20 minutes in order to bring the story along. Yeah, definitely. I feel bad calling it a story, but let's call it a story. <laughs> but then the mutant torturers, the Essex orphanage, which I'll get to later, mm-hmm. um, Cable's wife and daughter, Josh Brolin, needed a hook. Oh, absolutely. In order oh, to make time. him. So they, they pulled good threads. And yes, like the whole point of Deadpool 1 was, hey, here, here's a mercenary who got cancer and gets experimented on and has to go save his wife. Like, Deadpool is a very dark character. He was originally never the merc with a mouth. Mm-hmm. When they introduced him in X-Force, he was this very stoic. He was supposed to be, like, a dark, dark assassin. Think... Ryan Reynolds in the X-Men. Yes, but with his mouth shown up and making him look like uh, Deathstroke in the DC Universe. Yeah, yeah. He is not a happy guy. He, he They're quite similar. So, if... Deadpool is Deathstroke, but he's a happier-go-lucky version who kills people and sees... Eventually, but that, that's because he's been killed a few times and his brain has been kind of warped by so, him coming back to life. Wasn't that what we, what we talked about in the last Deadpool movie, wasn't it, Chris? Yes. So yeah. can I just quickly get this straight in my head mm-hmm. then? Because, um, yeah, I don't know Deadpool too well, but then... The version of Deadpool done by Ryan Reynolds in the X-Men movie is kind of what the original version of the comic book Deadpool was. No. So, Mm. when Deadpool was originally introduced, he was a dark mercenary. It was like, think Batman, Deathstroke, grumpy kind of thing. That slowly twisted to where you get to a point where during the Daniel Way run on the comics he was then this merc with a mouth kind of being yeah, outlandish cool. that kind of thing and that's when he yeah, got a lot yeah. of notoriety and fame when he first introduced he was a kind of throwaway character rob leefield yeah was, was, he's a great artist yeah. but he can't draw feet mm-hmm. and they as they call out of <laughs> this um he's nice. a great look he was he start he had all the think of it as squirrel girl for example, potentially throwaway character, but with the right love from writers and artists, gained mm-hmm. this cult kind of following. So, for example, even in some of the the newer Spider-Man uh, Deadpool run that's been happening over the last two bit years, there's still very dark yeah. themes in this, but there's a lightness given to a lot of this stuff through the banter and the kind of craziness. Definitely. Yeah. It's really dark humour, and I, I didn't mind the darkness, to be honest. I think it set up the, the story. I definitely noticed that I kind of, from about the formation of X-Force, um, that's when I really found myself laughing a lot more, because uh, the, the jokes just kept coming. That's not to say that there weren't any in, in the first sort of 20 or 30 minutes, but it was definitely setting... Uh, the scene, but I, I really enjoyed that. I mean, I, even just I loved the the flashback where he sharpens the cheese knife 
um, so <laughs> so that he can kill the person that comes to kill him and who kills Vanessa. So I, I thought that was nice. Like I, I kind of had a good old chuckle at that. Uh, this idea of the deadly cheese knife. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I really thought that was good, and I think yeah, okay. Cable's wife and daughter, you just kind of got that snapshot. It wasn't, there was nothing of any great detail other than the fact you know that this guy's motivation comes from uh, a traumatic uh, yeah. a, a event, really. Yeah. Uh, and then it was the, the orphanage, really, where I was like, okay, so it, it's going down that kind of route, really. Um, you know, the headmaster is a British actor that from at world's end one of the cornetto trilogies and i was like okay this is kind of interesting that they're going that way but ultimately that as well sets up russell that connects in with cable um and obviously you have deadpool that still getting to grips with um his world after vanessa has died and has been killed even though he's gotten the revenge on the guy the kind of russian mobster so soon after but uh yeah no i i did i like the darkness um and the dark themes of this because i think it kind of really helped my dark sense of humor anyway well absolutely no i definitely definitely understand the sense of humor part of it i think for me probably it was a bit too heavy on it for the first 20 minutes having uh, very little amount of jokes and effectively you've got deadpool blaming himself he's calling himself the other person that murdered vanessa and got away with it as well so he doesn't get his jokey sense of humor back until x-force arrives so it felt just like a different film i think uh, than the last one Uh, and then it felt like a brand new film and a very funny film 20 minutes in it's also a bit of a shame and i'm not going to go into the controversy around this because it's talked about everywhere obviously this idea of fridging the uh, the partners of your main male characters is the oldest trope it's the simplest trope in the world and it felt like pinning this whole story on the simple trope is fine for deadpool to do because it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to have a big plot it just needs something to motivate the characters but by spending 20 minutes on that at the start it felt like they thought they were doing something new and they really weren't by spending so much time on it i think it just held the film back a little bit to start with. yeah it's funny i really enjoyed that in the moment element of it actually i like the fact that this really was in its own moment and dealing with stuff i really enjoyed that aspect so i really enjoyed the first 20 minutes okay yes the trope is there but i know we're saying there was not that many jokes there was still enough for me so i enjoyed the kiss me like you mean it red i enjoyed that when he comes in late he talks about the war on gluten. <laughs> uh, the actual mercenary scenes where he swings through the window. Like, this is a lot more, there's a lot more action in this one than there was in the previous. There certainly and is, yeah. yeah. I think, okay, we need a setup. Like, they, they never said mm-hmm. that this was going to be a, as deep as Avengers Affinity War or, or War and Peace. I don't oh, think we were ever not, going no. to get a very deep, film i think what they've done is hey we actually needed more plot than we did in the first film so let's do this and i think yeah like uh, killing vanessa was tropey but i actually think it worked out well because you do get to see this at the moment you you can't have a high for a character without having the low. So he's back on the high mm-hmm. after the first one. We need to bring the character rock bottom again in order to build him up. And the funny thing is, they did it in a way that Deadpool's character does grow in this film. 
Yeah, he grows new legs. But yeah, versus <laughs> the hand in the last one, <laughs> he does grow in this, and I think it was it was done the right way. And there's enough jokes in the beginning up to the X Mansion where I was kind of enthralled. I wanted to know, oh, he goes to the X Mansion, and then like, where is everyone? And oh my god, he's in Professor X's chair, and then everything like that. From there onwards, up to the the orphanage and beyond, I was really happy. Yeah, kind of when X Force start joining, we get a lot more levity. Yeah, 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 absolutely, and a bit of a better film, really. I think as well, like you know, it also introduces us to Russell as well, which is really good at the orphanage and the fact you know the the gag uh, of him being a trainee X Men as well, mm-hmm. which I really like that gag. I loved the fact that there was a bunch of the X Men in the room in X Manor. Uh, where they close the door so that they're not seeing as he's going, where are all the X-Men? Yeah. They're never around. Why is it just you guys here with Colossus? And Negasonic Teenage Warhead yeah. as well. Uh, I thought that was really funny. And yeah, having her well. new uh, partner as well mm-hmm. sort of going, I like you, and Deadpool liking her. I thought that was kind of cute, given the relationship with Negasonic Teenage Warhead mm-hmm. and Deadpool. That stuff I liked, and I think it introduces a lot, and it sets the scene then, really, for then the absolutely awesomeness that I think we shall move on to with regards to point two. Yeah, let's get on to case note two. Obviously, this is where the funny parts of the movies really started, as I said, <laughs> uh, where we get on to the X-Force, the X-Men cameo that's in here is absolutely perfect. I have to say this idea that they didn't bring one of the main X-Men in for this film. They just decided to take uh, some work that, they, that the team had, were doing on X-Men Dark Phoenix and put it into this film. It was given over to them. They were all in makeup for that one little scene uh, shot for this, specifically for this film, but done uh, on the lot while they were doing X-Men Dark Phoenix. It's perfect. If you had had a, a main character that was in the X-Men, the jokes in this film wouldn't work at all. <laughs> just you, you wouldn't be able to use the same jokes, I think. Uh, so just having that one scene in there in the X-Mansion was was perfect. Really enjoyed it. I, I love it that it, the continuity is even more screwed up now because Dark Venus <laughs> is set in the 90s. This is set in 2018. It's mm-hmm. just like, oh, my head my head for a second went, no, no, they can't be. I'm like, oh, it's Deadpool. Why it's Deadpool. Get it like, no, just get over it. Um <laughs> The, the overall usage of every character in this, I loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm talking everything from Domino to the Juggernaut to, like, actually having Russell being Firefist, which is a kind of out there, like, we're going, we're, we're close to Z-list kind of oh, yeah. person here. Yeah. Up to where uh, Yukio, uh, Negasonic Teenage Warhead's um, girlfriend, which by the way, sorry, really stupid, but I loved it that they don't make a thing. It's like, yeah, hey, this is my, this is my partner. It's very much like, yeah, yeah, so I'm fine. Hi, Yukio. I love that. Anyway. I love, I love that Negasonic tried to make a thing of it as if yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she was going to go and why aren't you making a thing yeah. of this? It's not a thing. Grant, move on, yeah. you know, but Deadpool can't do that. He's, uh, he's not going to cast any kind of shadow on anybody else around him. But yeah, our case note number two is the X-Force and more, I suppose, because it's probably one of the biggest moments uh, in all of the pre-material. All we heard about was this is the prelude to the X-Force <laughs> movie that's coming out in a couple of years time, starring Deadpool and the X-Force effectively. And what do we get? We get five pretty well-known actors we get shatterstar we get the vanisher we get bedlam we get peter 
best newly introduced character <laughs> in this movie. And we get Domino uh, and Zeitgeist, excuse me, all played by pretty well-respected actors and people that we've seen in other things before. And yes, they kind of uh, all vanish pretty quickly in this film. The moment I love the most is that in all the promotion material, everyone thought this was going to be the X-Force of the next film. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're going to get, like, you're going to get, like, Terry Crews as Bedlam. Yeah. Oh, my God, it's going to be amazing. Imagine. And, like, they shot scenes with these characters that were specifically shot just to mislead people for the trailers. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the scene where Terry Crews is beating people up never happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they all die. And they spectacularly <laughs> die. And I love them for that. It's yeah. so good. It's such a shocking moment in the cinema when uh, when sitting, watching it, thinking, you know, they have the interview process where they're all, they'll say what their powers are going to be. And you expect you're going to get to see all these. Uh, not everybody has powers. Peter just walked in off the street and took poor Depinder's job because uh, that was exactly what Depinder was hoping for. If he hangs yeah. around long enough, Deadpool will take him out and, and bring him into the team. But uh, But Peter gets that job. A thoroughly nicer character when you think about Depender, who is effectively a serial killer and wants to kill more people after killing his cousin uh, in the last film. Um, yeah, so probably not great to depend on Depender. I loved this moment. I mean, I was I loved them seeing assemble and then rapidly disassemble mm. as they jump out the the helicopter. It was just so funny, and I literally was like gob on the floor, going, "Oh, okay, so that's not happening then." Um, and it was just really, really good. And uh, like, I loved the moment where Depinda, who's, you know, he's trying to get involved. And then, yeah, as you say, Peter comes along, you know, guy off the street. I've got no powers. Yeah. Okay, you're in. It was just like taking anything. It was just really, really good. And Depinda's left out in the cold. Loved that. And then just, you know, electric wires, helicopter rotor blades. Um, a woodcutter, you name it, it was, it took them out other than Domino. And I love that riff on her and her superpower being look and just like, no, it's not. Yes, it is. Um, even to the point where, where she lands on the big inflatable teddy bear as well yeah. off the flyover, is it? During the, the prison bus chase. I really liked it. And to see then um, that the vanisher his Brad Pitt's just seeing that little parachute backpack just in the air uh -huh. going down. So funny. I loved it. It was one of my favorite moments of this movie without a shadow of a doubt. And definitely when both of us sitting in the cinema watching it on the screen as the vanisher gets electrocuted on the overhead wires, you both look at each other and go, is that who we think it is? It definitely was, wasn't it? That definitely was Brad Pitt. We have to check this out again. Definitely was him. Um, yeah, he filmed for eight minutes uh, to, to get that little electrocution scene <laughs> and did it for a cup of coffee, apparently. The cup of coffee bit was Ryan Reynolds had to be the one who went out and got the cup of coffee mm -hmm. and delivered it to him personally. Mm -hmm. I was like, I love Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> and beyond that, in the marketing, they obviously left the parachute. We're all like, oh, they digitally removed someone just so we won't know. But there's a parachute by itself. Oh, yeah. my God, who are they going <laughs> to do? It was just a vanisher. <laughs> they didn't vanisher. digitally remove anyone. Right. Oh, and then, oh, the, the wood chipper was called Giuseppe. <laughs> yeah. The wood chipper was? <laughs> Talking about the wood chipper, that's Zeitgeist that gets killed in there. 
and gets shredded in there. That's a guy coming off the biggest horror movie of last year. That's Bill Skarsgård, who played Pennywise in It, and he's getting shredded in a wood chipper in his next big film after that. That's hilarious. Yeah, I, makes it, it, really funny. it was really good as well, just because he he vomits over Peter, uh, effectively dissolving his arm off and falling down dead, after Peter, like a ballerina, has just landed the perfect <laughs> jump from, from the from the plane, uh-huh. is the only, like, other than Domino, the successful sort of by-the-book, to-the-mark in terms of his parachute jump, and then gets vomited over by this alien. Oh, so funny. Uh, and what was it? It was Green Blood. That was Shatterstar, yeah, played by uh, Louis Tan, who was in Iron Fist. Another great cameo, which I have to call out, is we have Matt Damon officially becoming a staple cameo character yes. in Marvel films, and I love it for it. Yes. Uh, after his triumphant Thor Ragnarok um, Loki impression, he mm-hmm. now plays a redneck with Alan Tudyk. Yes, yes, yes. At the arrival of Cable, uh, we see the very recognisable Alan Tudyk chatting away to a guy beside him um, <laughs> who is in under about 200 pounds of makeup. Um, it's been confirmed since the movie came out that, that was Matt Damon. Uh, they they do actually believe that he that he had to go under a pseudonym in the credits. His, his name isn't in the credits, but they ha- they say that he had to go under that because he's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and he couldn't get leeway to get out of that. But of course, we have the t- biggest character in this movie as well, Cable, just in a movie last month in v- Avengers Infinity War. So uh, I don't know whether that's true. I think he just wanted to do it as a bit of a gag. Yeah, no, 100%. And also, he doesn't want to spoil his image about talking about wiping and the use of hygiene wipes and baby <laughs> wipes. And then just don't forget the blower, you know, just if you really want to dry things off down there. <laughs> There's so many parts of this film that I'm just in stitches. <laughs> yeah. And I was laughing so hard, my eyes are closed. And I'm like, I'm going to need to watch this multiple times again mm-hmm. once it comes to Blue. Definitely. Because I'm like, I just know that I've missed all these little hints and things and points. And <laughs> also, Ryan Reynolds played not one, not two characters in this, but three characters. He was the voice and the eyes of Juggernaut in this. That's right, yeah. Yeah, he was the, he was the voice of Juggernaut. Apparently mm-hmm. uh, they couldn't avor- afford another voice actor uh, because their budget was so tight. And he'd, <laughs> he'd put down the vocals for the Juggernaut, hoping Fair it would Jews. be replaced in the future. Uh, part of the reason that, they, that they're able to do as much kind of play acting uh, with the comedy uh, in these in this movie particularly is because obviously Deadpool's mouth's covered all the time so Ryan Reynolds can go back and replace lines over and over again just to make the scene work a bit better. Uh, he was trying to do the same for Juggernaut, putting in some basic lines and some uh, some uh, some kind of template work I think uh, and then unfortunately they couldn't actually get anybody else in to do it so he uh, his voice is just modulated a bit to make it not sound like Deadpool. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I like <laughs> it. It's really good. Also, just on the rednecks, I, I loved on, on their trailer hitch at the back, just their their replacement for sort of, you know, fluffy dice, the, the, the two the two plums hanging freely uh, <laughs> at the back. The shiny ones. The shiny ones, exactly. Nice. Um, maybe they were Colossuses. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice a Mr. Sinister uh, cameo? No. So uh, Nathan Essex is in this. The orphanage is the Essex orphanage. Ah, okay. Very and good. Um, obviously, so this is our second Fox Universe tease at Mister Sinister. So in Logan, 
the end, the end credits of Logan, you have the suitcase, which is Essex Corporation on it. Mm-hmm. And Essex Orphanage was the name of the orphanage here. And the little man, the little Weasley uh, headmaster, mm-hmm. he sprouts and tortures kids similar to the way Nathan Essex would have in some of the previous comics. Interesting. So we may find out that he's not dead and actually was Mr. along. I don't think so. I think it's just a nice nod. Yeah, I yeah. think it's probably just a nice nod. I'm not sure whether this is ever going to tie into the uh, the wider X-Men universe <laughs> completely. That There's so many different versions of that universe now with all of the time traveling that's been done in all of the movies before now as well. It's not just Deadpool, uh, but this movie messes the timeline all over the shop uh, in, in some hilarious ways. Oh, yeah, like but Barry Allen in The Flash has nothing on him. People give out about Barry Allen, like, messing with the timeline, mm-hmm. like, constantly shifting. I'm like, no, no, no. Have you seen the Fox universe? No, no, like, <laughs> literally, they, they change it every, like, film. Yeah, yeah. Even in this movie, there's a gag about uh, about Cerebro smelling of Patrick Stewart, <laughs> while there's a cameo from uh, James McAvoy two minutes beforehand. So they can't even keep it straight as to, <laughs> as to which version of professor x it is uh, in in this universe so uh so good good old patrick stewart getting in there <laughs> well that's all the kind of cameos and all the the main x-force that we thought was going to be the center of the film um <laughs> will we go on to the first big fight scene the prison bus chase scene yeah the prison bus chase so we we've had russell and deadpool after the uh, debacle at the orphanage they have been sent to the Icebox prison, uh, prison for, for mutants. Mm-hmm. Deadpool's got his um, the collar on, and so the specter of his cancer is suddenly returning back to him as well, which is pretty dark. That's very but dark, that, yeah. This is where you know we get the entrance of Cable into uh, this prison, and you think he's going after Deadpool, but actually he's going after Russell, uh, because Russell, um, as Fire Fist, has... Lost the plot, his temperament's gone all over the place, and he he really likes to cause uh, trouble and strife. Uh, And in the future, um, he has killed Cable's wife and daughter. And so we get the introduction here of uh, of Cable, which was... I really enjoyed Josh Brolin's performance here. I even like the nod to him as uh, being, don't get all Thanos on me. Uh, You know, (laughs) just really, really good uh, but ultimately, then they have this chase from the prison. But we do see Russell has kind of made the friend uh, in the one of the cells that at the time, yeah, we know it. It was Juggernaut, but we don't know for sure until he's being transported away from the Icebox prison, mm-hmm. and you get this really good bus chase here. Chris, what did you think of uh, of Josh Brolin's Cable? Uh, he, he he's very dark. He should be in the DCEU. Um, <laughs> I love that line. Are you sure you're not from the DC universe? I love Josh Brolin. I mm-hmm. love the fact they slagged his stepmother in this. <laughs> Papa, can you hear me? That's Barbara Streisand. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barbara Streisand is his stepmother, and I love the fact that he, apparently he didn't know that was coming. <laughs> which is so that that frown is actually his. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised. <laughs> He's a good actor. He went off the rails, and now he's back to being what he was back in the Goonies. Almost, he like, he was a good actor. <laughs> well, he's a big actor. I think he's a lot better than he was in the Goonies. Yes. <laughs> Josh Brolin is great. He mm-hmm. Cable has zero story. Fireface kills his family, so he's going to go back in time. He has enough uh, juice to get him back in time and forward in time once. Um, yeah. All right. Cool. He still looks great. 
Yes, he does. Yes. He looks fantastic. They slag his haircut. Um, like <laughs> everything about him is slagged, including his like Winter Soldier arm. Mm-hmm. But then the, you get to see this fantastic scene where he puts his gun together before going to the prison. Yeah, that was awesome. I always wonder, like, how do they make these amazing guns? Oh, well, he basically buys a load of guns and then fits them together. <laughs> cool. Didn't it look like something out of the Lego games? Yeah. When <laughs> it was just yeah. lining all the all the lights up together to, to match the guns together to make this one gigantic, amazing gun. Uh, it really did remind me of something out of the Lego games. Yeah, like, and he's got that <laughs> shield as well, which, like, I loved, um, I loved his his fight in in the prison mm-hmm. and then the on the bus just him firing incessantly at deadpool whilst he's <laughs> there cutting the bullets but then the bullets are just hitting him i really 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 loved that it was it was just so funny. It looked so cool. It looked like something out of Superman, right? like as if he's got this amazing power where he's able to do- able to block every single bullet coming towards him, and then you just see the blood starting to pour. It was just like it looks amazing from this. Oh, fail! <laughs> see, do you remember that? That's a slag on Wolverine Origins. Yeah, Deadpool and Wolverine Origins, where Ryan Reynolds did that whole sword. Stopping bullets, cutting bullets in half. Very so good. they they've gone back and done it now properly. Where yeah. he cuts the first bullet, mm-hmm. and then that's why he goes, "Your bullets are fast." <laughs> <laughs> it's a redux. You do not get to be able to cut bullets out of the air. You can do it once if you're lucky. Maybe the yeah. rest of them, not so much. <laughs> um, also, is Cable telekinetic in this? So, and so riddle me this, right? Right. His power set is telekinesis is in there, mm. uh, and he's telepathic. The gun does fly back to him a few it times. Does. Yeah, it does definitely. Um, I was I, I was wondering about how it's doing that as well. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't sure, especially because he made it in the present time. It's clearly not something that's in the gun, so it must be uh, in, to do with his power set. Because they mentioned that he's a mutant from the future, but he's got a time travel machine which takes him back in time and forward in time. So that's not his power. So they say he's a mutant. So. And they don't spell out what his mutant power is. I know it's Deadpool. That would have been nice to have just a little bit of, and my power is this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So we don't have to guess about it. But I'd say you're probably right, Chris. It is most yeah. likely that's that's part of his power set. Okay, cool. So let's move it on to the bus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. X-Force is dead. We've got Domino <laughs> getting her, her her look on. Ah, this, is, which this is so just cinematic. Amazing. It's so yeah. cinematic. It's great it chase. Works so well. This moment where she's able to get on the bus in you know two and a half seconds after she arrives, when Deadpool's following her down, going, "You'll never be able to get on there." Oh, I'm already in. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, telling Lady Luck to take over control of the bus as as she goes back into uh, back into the back to fight and protect Russell before Deadpool arrives. It just works really well. I really enjoyed these scenes because. You're right, this idea of someone being lucky doesn't always translate very well uh, on the screen, and that's what Deadpool is kind of saying about her power. Yeah, yeah, might be lucky, might not, but it works really well, I think. Yeah, and of course we get the awesome release of Juggernaut, Mm -hmm. who awesomely rips Deadpool in two, and Deadpool (laughs) cannot feel his legs. Oh, here they are. Um, (laughs) It was absolute... Classic, classic. I love that. And of course, I loved everything that followed on from that, where he's back at his crib uh, with everyone, uh, sat down on the sofa looking pretty well, uh, rested and recuperated, 
Um, and then we cue down to little baby, baby legs doing <laughs> doing a basic instinct pose at one stage. And I then didn't it, think they showed the, the twig and berries, but they did, and I was uh-huh. like, "Well done, sir." Well, absolutely. Done. This is this is proper avant-garde cinema. <laughs> I just, I you like you're like, well, how do you top the hands? Well, the legs. Okay, yeah, you really went for it. Oh, like it he's, yeah. oh, buddy, did you notice he's wearing his Goonies shirt? <laughs> yeah. He's he wearing the Goonies shirt at that same time, which I thought was just brilliant. And of course, uh, Chris, that's not his leg. Yeah, exactly. That's his Mary. <laughs> they just thought she was so good. Uh, even just with the random gun pointing as well. Blind <laughs> Al. Like, I love Blind Al. Yeah, so good. She's hilarious. I love after that whole scene when Cable comes in to talk <laughs> Deadpool into joining up with them. Everybody else is in the room, um, all slagging each other off and having a little pot shot at each other. And it all ends with Blind Al going, I have no idea what is going on in this room. I haven't understood a word since everybody arrived home. Uh, it's hilarious. I loved also that they actually showed that he does have the cure for blindness. Locked, on, <laughs> locked under her words. <laughs> Which is just like... Oh, it's like, so cruel. That's such a throwaway joke. Uh-huh. If you haven't <laughs> yeah. seen the first one where he goes, I have the cure for blindness. Another cameo we've got to mention was our uh, lovely Black Tom Casty. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the, the use of this joke is brilliant. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, but I know you're not racist, but you did just kill Black Tom Cassidy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, what about White Tom Cassidy? <laughs> and yes, it was played by Jack Kesey, who some people would know him from 12 Strong, Baywatch, Death Wish. He's in Claws. He, like, he was in, a, like, The Strain. He's, like, a well-known actor now. He's getting, he's starting to become pretty big. And everyone thought, again, they announced his casting as Tom Cassidy. At the beginning, and then it was like, oh my god, he's gonna be like the main villain. Nope! No, 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 nope, he's again killed off. I was just like, yes! <laughs> but again, the racial joke on that was just, and that was played consistently, even till the end of the film. When you have stupid names like Negasonic Teenage Warhead or Black Tom Cassidy, play with them. Show the stupidity of some of these code names that are given to these mutants. Um, like, yeah, it's just fantastic. And yes, Black Tom Cassidy is the brother of uh, of Banshee, the only Irish superhero. Yes, yeah. uh, he was definitely not Irish in this. No, 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 he wasn't. No, he wasn't. <laughs> but to kind of bring us to the end of this kind of the prison and the bus chase and the scene, that whole scene or scenes, um, we get the Juggernaut being released, and I did have to say, all is forgiven for Vinnie Jones. <laughs> <laughs> like they have actually built a Juggernaut that is. What we expect when we heard about Juggernaut and when we saw Juggernaut in the the 90s animated cartoon. Mm-hmm. Not so much in X-Men Last Stand. Anyway, so that has some of the end. Juggernaut is free and we find out that he is the main villain. And mm-hmm. that brings us on to, after he nearly kills Deadpool, that kind of brings me on to kind of case number four, which is the many, 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 many deaths. <laughs> Many deaths and dismemberments and broken bones of Deadpool in this film. Yeah, yeah, this is the the whole end of this film just leads directly from this point when when the new gang, I guess the new X Force, we yeah, might exactly. call them that, um, are are now together. 
fighting over Russell at the orphanage when they finally get together and are battling against the unstoppable juggernaut. It seems to take everybody. It needs Colossus to actually battle juggernaut and keep him just at bay while they take care of Russell and try and talk him down. Um, I just love these scenes. There's some great stuff in here. When uh, when Deadpool hops on the back of Juggernaut, stabs him in the two shoulders with his two swords, and then starts going, the sun's getting real low, big guy, uh, which is the Hulk uh, silencing move that they use in the Avengers as well. So um, the lovely little uh, way to call out the Marvel movies as well. Yeah, I, I love the iron fence through Deadpool's head as mm. well. <laughs> I just that was like... So funny. Um, so it just felt like it was from a, a comic book, and I really, really enjoyed it. I, I, I really enjoyed that he calls uh, Domino the Black Black Widow. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, and you're, oh, you're doing well, people here. Come on, bring him in. Give me more. We ha- can't go on without mentioning the music uh, at the, towards this fight scene. I didn't catch all of this while watching it, <laughs> and it was only when you started telling me and then... I, other people also were like, hey, do you not remember this? And I'm like, no. And then I heard it at the end credits. I'm like, holy sh**, balls. <laughs> Thank you, Luke Cage, and your uh, swear jar. Yeah, like this was fantastic. I, I've gone back and I've listened to the soundtrack now, and they, they actually released two versions of that song, mm-hmm. one with the juggernaut in it, one without the juggernaut in it. So they wouldn't spoil it. I'm like, come on, that's a like, that's some nice marketing. Even thoughts about that, so but smart. just the orchestral epicness of the tune of the piece of music with the words that go along with it is just amazing. That's hilarious. I think uh, I was listening to the Empire podcast about about uh, the Deadpool two movie, and they were commenting that this is one of the first ever. Uh, orchestral scores that's had the parental advisory sticker on the inside of it because <laughs> it can only be played for people over a certain age so uh, i love that i think that's brilliant why not if you're if you're doing the score for deadpool why not have a little go at, uh, at trying to offend people why not yeah, definitely <laughs> then it. kind of that brings us into the the fight between our uh, metal friend who joins deadpool is not winning this fight no. against juggernaut and that this is brilliant. I have to say, this was a proper. What would happen if Colossus and Juggernaut fight? Yeah, like we get a proper fight. Like it's not okay. It, and cue the CGI fight scene. He yeah. even calls it out. Yeah. But it still it, it looked good, and I can see where they actually put a bit of budget into this. Mm-hmm. But the 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 ending is fantastic. Where it's like, how are we going to stop this guy? Oh, I know. They rip his, they rip <laughs> off his pads and they stick an electric wire up there. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, that's how you stop the unstoppable juggernaut. So, so good. I think that's just why he's never been stopped before because nobody else was willing to do it until you got Deadpool involved. Yeah. You know? No one's willing to get that close exactly. other than Deadpool. <laughs> Some people have Achilles heel. He has an Achilles bum. Like, <laughs> oh no, who would have ever known? But I love that he still gets up at the end. He is still alive at the end. They haven't killed him. They're just knocked him out for a little time. And he does get back up at the end. Uh, so he will be back, I'm sure, in a future film. Probably. But then we get another fantastic scene from Domino, where this oh. luck-powered, like, I need a bus. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. That fight sequence is fantastic, as she just knocks into everybody in the room. It's like... 
it's like a superpowered version of some mothers do have them. It's like, it's like, you know, everything she walks into knocks into something else and kills another one of the uh, attendants in the in the hospital, I guess you call yeah. them, or in the orphanage. Um, and they were just calling them pedophiles, so I guess that's... that's it's the moment when that massive bookshelf or cabinet or whatever it was takes off the guy's head and you're kind of like going... That could actually be a domestic accident somewhere waiting to happen. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God. Um, but yeah, that is that is really good with uh, Domino. I really like this character. Mm. Uh, again, as I say, X-Men, I know X-Men, but I'm not an avid follower of them. And like, I, I love the portrayal of, of Domino in this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was pretty on spot for this, uh, but I think it works. Yeah, I, think I it's do. It's a perfect Zazie Beats is fantastic as Domino. She plays it well, and as you said, the choreography of the fighting of the actual over well, I can't even call it fighting. It's a Rude Goldberg machine of a fight. So she touches one thing, and then it all knocks off to the end of the fight. Look, Lady Lucas, and I'm just like, yeah. Just like Domino's, yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, I was slightly bemused or underwhelmed by the use of ne- Negasonic Teenage Warhead yeah. and Yukio, who a lot of people think is actually um, Surge from the comic books. Okay. It's now, since release, been said that she's not. Yeah. Um, she actually is none other than um, Yukio, the female assassin from the actual film The Wolverine. So okay. she's just a de-aged version of that. Ah, okay, with, ele- yeah. with electric powers added on. Right. <laughs> so, because it's the same name, and they the, the the writers and directors came and goes, yeah, well, we had, like, this binder full of people you could use. And they went, yeah, you can just take any of them, or take two and just kind of mash them together. Yeah. So yeah. we did that. And I was like, yeah, fair point. If you, you wouldn't got an encyclopedia worth of characters to yeah. play with, you can go... I can take the best bits from all of them, or I can take one and try and rebuild it up. Like it is crazy to think that Fox own two hundred Marvel characters. That just shows <laughs> you how many Marvel characters are in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The actual characters they have access to is so much more than that. And Fox have access to two hundred different mutants that they can use at any time. Um, it's fasc- it's fascinating, but in a weird geeky way. Well, like it's this sort of <laughs> Nathan Fillion as Wonder Man in the MCU. Um, he plays Simon movie, Williams yeah. in the MCU, mm-hmm. who's in theory Wonder Man and super powerful and everything in the comics. And yeah, no, it's a pass away reference in mm-hmm. the MCU now. It's just like, yeah, we've got too many characters to play with, so we'll make super, super little Easter eggs that only us nerdy, nerdy people will learn. <laughs> but I was, I was perturbed by the, the limited use of Negasonic because I did, she was a standout character for me in. The first one, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was expecting a her to be like when we had the bus scene. I was expecting she would have been there, if not like Colossus. Yes, you can explain why. Well, obviously the CGI is the reason why. Yeah, but you can explain away him not being there, but not having her there where she was. I just I never fully got it. But look, it was good. The usage we got of her was good. Still, they didn't destroy the character. Which they could have easily done. If anything, they built up the character. Right. Um, but I still wish they had have used her more than just this final few minutes of. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. She feels like she's not on the screen at all. It, definitely. It, it could have been any character. Like you definitely didn't really get that connection in the same way yeah. as 
you did in Deadpool 1, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, certainly not for me. Um, so, yeah, I completely agree there, Chris. thought she was really underutilized. So let's get on to the deaths of Deadpool. I, so we have the iron piece through his head, <laughs> but then actually we end up getting Cable and uh, Russell and Deadpool fighting it towards the end, and Deadpool jumps in front of the bullet. Yes. Which I was very happy with. I was wondering how they would tie this all up. It is a very tropey way to do it. It is like a scene from The Bodyguard, yeah. and I was like, okay, I get it. Now I see what you're making fun of. Cool. Just the multiple, multiple deaths, the dying and dying. And <laughs> do you want to build a snowman? Hey, have you noticed that it sounds really like this one? And just like the continued, I was like, oh, they're, oh, they're still going. Oh, that was funny. Oh, they're still going. I'm That's still here. It got funnier as it went along. The more they killed him and he came back to, I was just like, this is top notch death joke humor. And I think Cable really sells that scene as well, as he looks to be really broken up as Deadpool's dying on the ground. And then as it gets worse and worse, he's just going, oh, my God, will this guy just die? <laughs> you know? So we can just go on with the rest of our day. You know, it's uh, we've, we're over it now. We're done. It's hilarious. He just sells it so well, just as the straight man in this partnership. And that's why I think he works so well in this film. That's always been what Cable and Deadpool's relationship has been, is that Cable's the... Um, actual real character and Deadpool's the one that makes fun of everything including the audience reading the book and everything around him to the audience reading the book so uh, so you have to have a good straight man like Cable and I think Josh Brolin did a great yeah. job uh, with that yeah and then Woodpecker Gingivitis like, <laughs> just, I want to know where they came up with those words from though <laughs> it's just like let's crowdsource some word okay Gingivitis yeah like I'm like, why would someone have really bad breath when I was on set or something? Because you know, there's a lot of in jokes. Mm-hmm. Ryan Reynolds like putting in jokes into this. So like, we saw the cameo from the director as one of the security guards in one of the cars with the prison bus. Right. We saw uh, there are the the names of the current writing. Uh, some of the biggest writers on Deadpool, their names are plastered around the city. Um, we see uh, Rob Liefeld who is the mm-hmm. original creator of Deadpool, is name-checked, as well as having really bad at drawing feet. Oh, even the pilot. He mentions the pilot by name in this film, and it turns out that's just someone who, like, there's some kind of film set uh, kind of Easter egg for them. It's just a complete, for the cast and crew, in-joke. Of course. I and people are that. like, oh my god, they, like people have been like, who is this character? Like, What's his name? Why is he there? Like, people are researching it. And then Ryan Reynolds came and goes, oh, yeah, this is a joke between us and the cast. Yeah. And then, of course, it this all could just be what words sounded funniest together. Uh, he could have been recording 12 or 13 different types of them and then just cut the words together that he thought sounded funniest. That's kind of a Ryan Reynolds thing to do. Uh, but we do have a time-traveling save of Deadpool. Cable gives up his opportunity to go back and save his wife and daughter when he finds out that they're safe in the future to stay with Deadpool. Um, I'd sorry, to save Deadpool by putting the skee-ball token that Vanessa had given him in the point where he's going to get shot with the bullet. So, uh, so we see Deadpool is saved by the big sacrifice from Cable. Um, mm. Quite a big moment. Yeah, no, it really was. I, like, again, there's a darkness to this film, which we were discussing case note one, but you do see that, yeah, there, there is a storyline here that, and you do have this growth of a character and then you have, to a degree, 
growth of a very dark character in Cable. Like, you see him like, okay, well, I suppose I don't want to kill an innocent. And in his eyes, Deadpool is innocent. He may be a merc and may kill lots of people, but he's trying to do the right thing. And that's all kind of Cable wants. But mm-hmm. he also thinks that he can make a better life for his daughter by staying here and fixing whatever's going to happen in X-Force and Deadpool 3. Yeah. Yeah, because it is an interesting one, really. Ultimately, you know, Russell comes around here, and uh, again, it's it's that sacrifice. I really enjoyed the fact that they end off all walking out of there, and the destruction of the orphanage, saving Russell from his future, um, saving Deadpool through the, the time travel uh, device. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was really good, even to the point where... They knew that car was coming uh, as it takes out the headmaster of of the orphanage. Um, will we see him uh, get back up? Watch his space? Maybe, <laughs> it's maybe nice not. To see Depinder as a, as a superhero there, yeah. where he's the one that takes out the. Uh, and thing. that's it, you know. Depinder gets his psychotic moment mm-hmm. that has been promised all the way through this. So this was, <laughs> I really enjoyed this ending. You know, it had the potential to be a bit kind of sickly sweet given the sacrifice but it was just done so well totally in the spirit of the movie and totally undercutting itself all the way through it was i thought it was really really good but it does ultimately lead us on to our fifth and final uh, point here Mm -hmm. and that is the end credit scenes Yes, our, our mid-credits. Uh, or oh, mid-credits, yes, I should say. The, the end credits was actually just the version of the Juggernaut theme that Chris was talking about. Yes. Uh, we did stay in the cinema to listen to it. It is just that, and it had us singing it the whole way home, um, embarrassingly, on our tram, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. But uh, the one thing that I find really odd about these post credit scenes, um, so Cable stuck in the present day, not able to travel back to his wife and daughter, and Deadpool fixes the device and then goes back and fixes everything he wants to fix. Will Cable be really, really pissed off about this, that Deadpool's been jumping back and forth through time uh, and not giving him the opportunity to go and see his wife and child? That's really harsh. He's just saved his life. I think you're thinking too much about this, dude. This is <laughs> yeah. pure comedic effect. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, what isn't for comedic effect is quite a huge moment. He saves Vanessa as well. He goes back and says, Vanessa, which of course he was going to do if he got the ability to time travel. Of course he would go in to do that. But what about the people that leave before the end credits? Um, genuinely, there are people that stand up at the end of end credits. Not everybody's a Marvel fanatic who watches all the credits. No matter what film I've been to, whether it's first night of Marvel, people do stand up and leave. If they come back in Deadpool 3 and Marina Bacaran's on the poster or she's even featured in the film at all, how will you be able to explain it away to them that she was alive since she was dead for this entire movie? You go buy the Blu-ray and watch the mid-credits scene. <laughs> yeah, pretty much anyone who gets up when the credits start to roll in any superhero film for the last 10 years, who gets up now, I should say, after 10 years of superhero films, I'm talking all superhero films, mm-hmm. they need to get their head checked. Well, because no, they, they, they just don't knows. care. They just don't care as much as us. Because I'm telling you, I, I went to see the opening night of Avengers Infinity War. Absolutely, people were standing up and walking out before those credits started rolling. Every single movie that I've been to, there's always been people standing up and going out. And they're not, it's not like they're not as big fans as the rest of us or anything like that. They may have had to run and get their car or get a bus or something like that. They may just have to have to leave and don't want to sit through the credits. But this one, 
is just a bit of a surprise. <laughs> he's, he's saved the, the object <laughs> yeah. of his entire life is to save this woman. She's dead. He doesn't go to hell. She pushes him back or doesn't go to, whoops. He doesn't go to purgatory with her or the afterlife with her. Like he's thinks he's going to all the way throughout the film. And then he saves her at the end of the movie. So I don't know how somebody walking into the next film would not see her. I don't know. Ryan Reynolds will turn around to the screen as soon as she walks on and go, Hey, if you don't know why she's here, you should have watched the movie. Yeah, that's true. They'll literally call that out. There you go. Um, There's a great theory going out around the internet at the moment that um, Vanessa is actually death, the character from the Marvel universe. Um, Because in the comic books, Death and Deadpool do have a, a love of one another. Like they actually fall in love, and Thanos gets so angry that he grants immortality on Deadpool on top of his healing factor, so that they can never see each other. And they do the odd time, and actually now people are going, well, actually, hold on, could Vanessa be Death because <laughs> Wade gets with her straight away, and then he gets cancer, and die, he dies. Like, there's an element here going, is she actually? I'm like, no, no, people. You're really sucking into it. I, I love, love the, the detective work you're doing. And it's a great storyline of the Deadpool and Death one and Thanos and his immortality, like, snafu, because he's in love with Death too. But no, she's not Death. I like that. I like it, though. It's a good theory. Yeah. And it, it, it makes sense when you start thinking about it, but it's like, no. 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 It's not going to happen, absolutely, but it's happening in a different way. Absolutely, yes. but there are some even funnier, <laughs> or actually funny, uh, post-credit scenes, uh, Chris. Definitely. So the first one is did not even happen, and um, I want to talk about it because they they cut it, they filmed it, and they cut it. Okay. And I want to know. I think it's still going to be hilarious. I'm hoping it's in the Blu-ray. He goes back in time and kills baby Hitler. <laughs> so that is a, apparently there is a, hopefully it makes it into some of the extended <laughs> cut or the, the the deleted scenes but he goes back and you see him enter nineteen the 1900s uh, kind of early 1900s house and he's standing over a crib with a baby with a little moustache oh. and he puts his gun and then <laughs> blows I would have loved that really? I would have laughed my ass off Okay, because they make the joke about baby Hitler in the film it's not even a joke though Chris if that was actually the film the only thing that is any kind of moral centre or lesson that's in this film anything that is written into this movie as part of the plot line is no you don't kill baby Hitler you try to change baby Hitler and that's what they do with Russell if they had a moment where he goes back and kills Hitler then they've just stripped it of any plot so I'm glad that got cut or didn't get filmed or is an internet rumour because that would have absolutely ruined the film for me honestly well, well, let's agree to disagree. Okay, all right. Let's talk about the actual mid-credits scenes, the other ones that are in there, because uh, there are some fantastic moments. Again, this being <laughs> totally self-serving Deadpool, he goes back oh, to definitely. save Paul. Oh, Peter. Uh, he forgot his name again. Uh, he goes back <laughs> to save the only member of the X-Force that didn't have any superpowers. Because, <laughs> I loved it. Because he kind of didn't know what he was getting himself into, I guess. He said he'd always protect Sugar Bear, uh, is what he says to him. So I guess that's why he only saves him. But he has a time machine. He had the ability to go back and just stop the plane from taking off. But he saves Peter. Hilarious. Really good. And, of course, there is the original X-Men Origins Wolverine version of Deadpool as well. (laughs) It's just, I love him getting shot. And then shot, 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 shot. And the nice little cameo as well from old Wolvie. 
Hugh Jackman himself. Like, mm-hmm. it was just so good. I really, really loved that. And that's it. It's his ability to just mine everything. And yeah. it just leads to just fantastic jokes uh, and at his expense as well and you know it it must be so cathartic for him but i love that as well as the other one yeah and this was the the best one for me so after getting the cgi don't make my suit cgi or green in the first deadpool getting that line in this he goes back in time and kills <laughs> Ryan Reynolds while reading the script of Green Lantern. <laughs> don't do it. Which I was just, don't do it. And they kills it. I was like, this is just brilliant. And to the point, he has annoyed Warner Brothers so much about this film, <laughs> they've asked him for his rig back. <laughs> I no. kid you not. No, that was out. just Twitter. That was just a Twitter gag. They were having. I know, I know. No, I love, I love that Ryan Reynolds can get away with this, and that is the power of this guy. He went out, fought for six or seven years to get Deadpool one made, and worked with so many people to try and get it done on as as small a budget as they could possibly make a film on, and it made almost a billion dollars. So it does feel like people are kind of seeing him as the the little engine that could almost, you know, he he had this as a passion project for so many years and just is able to persuade people to give them, uh, to help them in doing this parody. It's kind of the stuff you'd see 70s and 80s with um, with the Naked Guns movies and uh, airplane movies where they're doing parodies of other big movies and being allowed to use big stars in their films. This is what Deadpool seems to be able to get away with because of Reynolds. It's all because of him. 100%. And that's the thing. So he's earned his acting chops. So he's done so many other films with some box office, mm-hmm. some not so box office, mm-hmm. some cult, like The Nine or the nines, I should say, a cult classic, which is amazing, Okay, which I recommend some of you check out, to the crazy flop that was... Um, the Green Lantern. Well, not the Green Lantern, Lucky Number 7. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the Hitman's Bodyguard with Samuel Jackson. He does all of these movies and films and TV shows, like The Pizza Place, and he has now that... Kind of, he has the bona fides under himself that studios are like, ah, look, we like you. It's good. But Deadpool 2 knocked Affinity War off, kind of. It knocked it off the number one spot for opening weekend on its opening weekend. Yeah, it came out two weeks later. I don't know whether I, I take a lot of these stats uh, because movies don't last in the cinema as long, as long as they used to in the past. So a new movie comes out, you're going to get a lot more people to the cinema to watch it than will repeatedly view the other movies. Obviously, I totally understand that. I agree with you 90% of the time, but Marvel is different. And Black Panther continuously had like a, an uphill growth from its launch. In terms of attendance, and I, you expect this the same in Avengers: Infinity War. It had an upward trajectory. I don't know if Deadpool two will beat them this in second week box office because they're still kind of growing uh, in the US and globally. Avengers: Infinity War as mm-hmm. it kind of releases continuously around the rest of the globe, uh, so like the China market and things like that. Yeah. Um, but remember, Deadpool's not an all-ages film. It's an R-rated film. It should it shouldn't have as big an audience as the Avengers did, where you. Parents are bringing their kids. You know, it's obviously going to have a bigger box office. The Avengers. There's no, there's no problem with that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying it's it's it should be a battle between the two of them. In fact, it should be. Hopefully, is Deadpool two better than Deadpool one, and does it make more box office than Deadpool one? That's their only real competition. 
you can go up against Logan, but that was a completely different film and critically acclaimed and a really enjoyable film. But um, but I don't think the challenge here should be for the R-rated uh, Deadpool two to be beating Infinity War. That, that they shouldn't even have that on their on their tickets to try and beat them. That that's already up to almost two two billion dollars uh, in four weeks or three weeks since it's been out. So, so because it sounds like we're, we need to talk about our whether we defend Deadpool two and whether we think it beat Deadpool 1. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get there in a second. I think it's time we jump into some notes. Now, gentlemen, is there any cameo? Because I'm going to talk a lot. Would one of you like to talk about a cameo that was in there that I'm not going to talk about? <laughs> There's only one cameo, really, that we haven't talked about, which is the Stan Lee one. It's just a wall painting this time. He's not working in an, uh, another den of iniquity like he was in the first film. Uh, he just gets a wall painting as they're going through the city on the bus. Yes, and that was really interesting because I thought they actually would have given us a, an actual live action cameo, especially after he was in the teaser trailer. He was in Deadpool 1. I'm wondering if it's a health thing for Paul Stan. I am certain uh, that that's the reason uh, this movie was being filmed at the time when he was uh, at the poorest parts of his, uh, of his pneumonia uh, early last year. So uh, great to see that they have at least kept the cameos going with the with the wall painting, uh, similar to what we see in The Defenders. Yeah. I'm going to jump in here, lads. There's a few things I want to talk about. So the t-shirt he's wearing with the two kittens on it when he's in the X-Mansion, mm-hmm. that is none other than Taylor Swift's kittens. <laughs> it's photos of Taylor Swift's kittens and it has T-Swift <laughs> on it. Ryan Reynolds is Frank and Blake Lively. His wife are friends with Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. So apparently they, they're such good friends that he lent her the original Deadpool 1 uh, his actual outfit costume, right? One, so she could wear it on uh, at Halloween, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So as a as a favor, he wore a, a t shirt with her kittens on it. Love it. Who were Instagram famous because, of course, um, I just thought that was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned this already. Uh, there is large amounts of Goonie references in this film, mm-hmm. uh, but the main two obviously is the uh, Chunks shirt that he's wearing when he has the mini legs. And I thought it was it looked similar. No, it is exact. It's a replica. I love it. it it's the exact <laughs> same. And he does actually call uh, old Josh One-Eyed Willie, which is a Goonies Easter egg reference as that's well. That's right. That's right. Yeah, great moments there. Uh, love the other Easter eggs in this movie. There's, some, there's tons and loads. And I'm sure we'll be unpacking loads more when we get the, when we get the Blu-ray uh, in six months' time. Well, speaking of so the music box at the very beginning, that is the same music box from Logan, but they've just put uh, a piece on top, which I thought was great. For our Eagle Eye fans, there are two costume nods here in this film. So when uh, Deadpool was a member of the X-Men, he wore a yellow suit, oh, right. a yellow X-Men suit, uh, with an X on it. It's, and basically, the when he's wearing that um, crop top uh, X trainee um, kind of uniform, on top of his uniform, that's a nod. It looks, it's the same color and pattern and has the X in the same part nice. as when he was an X-Men. And then, obviously, when he gets fried and the ashes all over him, Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a nod to his grey X-Force costume, which we everyone did think during the trailers out and when during the trailer analysis, everyone was like, oh my God, he's going to actually get into his X-Force costume. <laughs> no, no, it just turned out to be dirt and dust. Yes, I love it. <laughs> it did look like a comic book costume. I, I, I don't know 
the other costumes that he's had in the past that definitely did look like something taken directly. I just thought it was a nod to maybe black and white Daredevil, something like that, that there was a an issue that was done in black and white. Uh, very cool, though. Yeah. yeah. And then the final one is um, just, as I said, there's the cure for blindness at the bottom of uh, <laughs> Blind Al's underneath their floorboards some classic classic nods in this film definitely uh really well put together obviously loads more to come and we've probably missed a fair few if you want to send us in some feedback with your thoughts as well or any easter eggs that you've found uh email us at feedback at defenders tv podcast.com and chris would love to read the ones that he missed yes of course i i basically if you think that or if i got something wrong even better kind of <laughs> tell me because hey i'm i'm only human and i read quickly and a lot of comics so unfortunately sometimes things get mixed up but like much like black tom Casty, i'm going to be silent now <laughs> uh gentlemen i think it's about time we wrap up uh this beautiful podcast the same way we wrap up every podcast do we defend this marvel movie do we defend the chimichangas spent the billions of chimichangas millions of chimichangas i should say spent in filming deadpool 2 John, do you defend Deadpool 2? Oh, I do defend uh, this movie. I give it four. It has to be, doesn't it? Holy <laughs> balls out of five. Um, I really enjoyed this. It was sit back, relax, and just get into the groove uh, of the movie. And I think they really did that. Um, it, it took a little while for me. I definitely, as soon as Derek noticed about maybe there being a darkness, I kind of noticed that I really got into it after the X-Force. But nonetheless, all that setup is really uh, needed, given Russell, given Cable, and given what's happened to, to Deadpool as well. So I really like that. But I really did laugh a lot in this movie. I like the dark humor. Um, and... It, it made me just have fun. It was in the moment. It wasn't connected to a million movies. It wasn't having intricate storylines. Uh, it was just a standard for where you just sort of watch it. It is a popcorn movie uh, for me. I love the X-Force aspect. I thought Domino was superb in that. I love the fact that they uh, rapidly died. Um, I loved uh, Dupinda just his little uh, through arc of wanting to get uh, involved with Deadpool, getting really crazy for killing. Again, I think Cable, I really liked it. I don't really know too much about the character. I just thought it all came to a nice, really neat ending. Saving Russell, also saving Cable's family, and, of course, saving Deadpool. These three uh, great characters through, through this. Uh, and, of course, there are the baby legs after Juggernaut has ripped Deadpool in half. Um, yeah, so many gags. Really, really enjoyed this. And I absolutely defend uh, this Marvel movie. Excellent. Chris, do you defend this Marvel movie? I 100% defend this film. Um, for a multitude of reasons, it is very much a bigger and better version of Deadpool 1. It has more fight scenes, more gags. Hey, if you didn't like that one joke that just they just put out, well, don't worry, there's going to be another three that will probably land with you. So it's more jokes, more action, more comic book stories. Is the plot good? Eh, that's debatable. It's weak. We'll call the plot weak. But it doesn't need a plot. 
you don't come to Deadpool for War and Peace or for the Odyssey. You come to him for Ryan Reynolds breaking the fourth wall, like the baby legs alone. <laughs> a film hasn't put me in kind of a laughing fit of tears in quite a long time. And that's what this film did. I'm like, I was literally tearing up from laughing so much. And I laughed out loud so much during this film. It is very much my sense of humor. I love the, the Deadpool character and his comic books. Josh Brolin and his cable makes sense. Big stoic man. He is dark and who, oh, like he should be in the DCU, but he's not. He's in this. And it's just that those references, the in jokes for the nerd community and it's fantastic because also my fiance loved it. And she's not a big comic book fan. It has broken the masses. And that sense of humor is showing through in that, hey, you don't need to be ashamed of loving Deadpool because actually everyone loves Deadpool now, which is even better. So I 100% defend this film. I loved Deadpool 1. I'm in love and I'm considering engagement with (laughs) Deadpool 2. Uh, And if if it goes really well, who knows, Deadpool 3 or X-Force depending on which one comes first. Probably is going to be our marriage, one's going to be the honeymoon, and then we may get divorced. Who knows? But in the future, it's looking sunny and bright for my relationship with Dead. <laughs> on that note, and my pending nuptials, Derek, do you defend this Marvel movie of Deadpool? Absolutely, I defend this movie. This is a much better film than the first one. I really enjoyed the first one. had great laughs, but these the laughs keep coming in this one. If I compare this to Thor Ragnarok and... Um, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 probably again a better comedy film I can't compare this to the other Marvel films I go to Marvel films for the story and this story dragged that first 20 minutes I could not get over how slow it was going for me it's going like where are the jokes man that's what you pulled us in with you pulled us in with saying now I've got a bigger budget and it's an already movie and I'm going to tell better jokes I didn't need the 20 minutes at the start I would have loved if it was just something like Depender got kidnapped and that's what pushed Deadpool into the rage and made him go after something and just kicked off the storyline. If you didn't need a storyline, don't use a trope and push it down the throats for 20 minutes. So that did annoy me and it did get to me. Even in the cinema, I was just tapping my foot, waiting for it to get on to where I, where I knew it was going. And then when it got there, it was excellent. The loss of X-Force instantly uh, out of the gate changes the movie up completely the fact that he teams back up with Colossus and they have another good storyline where Deadpool's still trying to push Colossus to curse and do something out of line from his comic or cartoon version of his character is great those moments are excellent having Josh Brolin as Cable was brilliant as you see it working out throughout the rest of the film I just wish they'd taken that time to just edit down those first 20 minutes it wasn't necessary for this type of film um but yeah definitely high up there in the in the comedy marvel movies this is probably towards the top for me excellent so that is our defense ladies and gentlemen and fellow defenders we have had our say on deadpool 2 but fear not we will be back very soon but more importantly we want to hear your feedback so let us know. So go over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Defenders TV podcast and let us know what you thought of Deadpool 2 or send us an email at feedback at Defenders TV podcast.com. But more importantly, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a beautiful review because you know you want to and you know you love us and we love you. 
It's true. Go to DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes or just go to DefendersTVPodcast.com and in there and click on subscribe and you can subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, name it, we are there. Gentlemen, I think it's time we shoot off. Much like X-Force, we must jump out of a plane. Hopefully we will land because we will be back in less than a month for none other then Luke Cage season two. Yes, I can't wait to come back. Thanks so much for listening to our Deadpool 2 coverage. We'll be returning to the cinema for our Ant-Man and the Wasp coming up in the next couple of weeks as well. Uh, not too sure exactly when we're going to get to record that, guys, because we know that in the US uh, they have a, a month earlier release date than in most European countries. So uh, as we're in Europe, uh, it does depend on when we all can get to see the movie. Uh, but it could be up to a month after it's released in the US. Crazy, that. Mm. Yes, but our fellow defenders do not care when they hear it. They just want to hear our dulcet tones give our opinions of Paul Rudd back in his teeny-weeny suit. But that's it, fellow defenders. We are off. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, kiss me like you mean it, Red. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. As always, it's been a pleasure. uh, And we'll speak with you again soon. Bye.